it was the sermon was on the parable of the seeds. And the different seeds are from different grounds. And again, I, I have no background of religion, so it wasn't. But there was a conviction in me that that it was just I felt guilty. I felt wrong. And uh, and I just when the call came to repent, to change your your lifestyle, your, I I thought this is me. I got to do it. And so I I lifted my hand and my wife. I was looking kind of my peripheral view, and she did the same. And so we went to the altar. But it was almost that that feeling. You know, it starts sometimes I guess with that feeling. I just feel this. I need to do this. This is I'm wrong. I've, I've sinned, and I I got to change. And that's why I think how it all started. Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's Tuesday, where you're going to hear a powerful testimony of God's grace revealed in human lives. Each Tuesday, you'll hear Pastor Adam interviewing pastors from around the world to share the mighty miracles that God has done in their lives to give you hope for yours. We share the stories of the men behind the messages you hear every other day on this podcast. Keep in mind that the free version only includes a portion of the whole testimony interview. To listen to the full version, use the links in the show notes to subscribe via Apple Podcasts or Supercast.tech. Every dollar goes to supporting world evangelism. Enjoy today's Testimony Tuesday. Well, hello and welcome back to Testimony Tuesday. Pastor Adam with you again, and it is uh, a beautiful Monday night here in Virginia Beach, and I had a uh, interviewee all lined up, ready to go, and uh, he ended up having to back out. So we have the fill-in. We have the, uh, the, the DH coming in to, uh, to clean up and uh, on last minute notice. And we're so grateful to have with us tonight, Pastor Hector Rodriguez. Thank you for joining us, sir. Thank you for having me. So, um, yeah, we uh, thankfully got to know each other a little bit uh, while you were here in Hampton Roads. You have uh, you have served as the assistant pastor in the Norfolk Church, which is right down the street from us here in Virginia Beach. You also uh, took over the church in Woodbridge, very good friend of the show, Pastor Rocky Colonna, who's been on the podcast before. And uh, so I'm excited to hear a little bit more about what God has done in your life, man. So I'm very excited. So thank you for being with us again tonight. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. My pleasure. Thank you again. So what we like to do is, uh, first of all, to introduce yourself to the audience. Uh, please give us the conference version of your uh, of what God is doing <laughs> in the three to five minutes and, uh, and give us a report of all that God's doing. And I didn't even say where you are. You are in uh, Puerto Rico. Remind me the city that you're pioneering. Ponce. Ponce. Okay. So give us the good report from Ponce, Puerto Rico. Quick report. We landed here last July 2021. Found a building around December. We started services at home around February. We were able to get all our permits, the power on. So we've been in the building for maybe about eight, eight, ten months or so. Uh, but God has helped us. He's given us people, souls, uh, tithers and so it's it's helped we've been able to begin a work here in this city a lot of backsliders a lot of hurt people open people and so we're really excited as we come into the end of another year uh, looking forward for what god has for us next year here in this city 
Amen. Well, we're excited also because uh, we've got a we've got an impact team on the calendar for next year. That's very exciting. That's right. That's right. Yes, we're definitely excited for for you guys coming. Yeah. Well. Um, so uh, this is an opportunity, you know, what, what I tell people about this Testimony Tuesday is that, you know, we as pastors, we get to share little snippets of our testimonies as we preach, obviously, and uh, we get to spend a few minutes to talk about what God has done in our lives. And we're used to on the Saturday night scene giving the uh, five minute or less version of what God has done in our lives and how he saved us. And But what we like to do here on Testimony Tuesday is to do the, the deep dive and to hear the whole story and run down every rabbit trail <laughs> and, uh, and hear the whole story because a lot of times uh, we're surprised at how many details that uh, don't often get, get told. So, so Pastor Hector, why don't you tell us about how and where you grew up and what life was like for you as a kid? Sure. Uh, I was born in Colombia, Bogota, South America, and so at 12 years old, my mother, uh, the U.S. has done raffles, visa raffles with a lot of countries throughout the years. Uh, Colombia was one of them for a time, for a season. And so my mother applied. She won the raffle, I guess you could say. My mom, my sister, my dad, but he never really came. And myself, we got visas to come to the States. 12 years old, I lived in Miami for a couple of years. Uh, and so a half brother convinced half brother, my mother, uh, I guess a half uncle, I don't know. We never really met him. Uh, he convinced my mother to move to Connecticut. And then, uh, so I did the last two years of middle school in Florida and then my senior or my four years of high school in a, a town called Bridgeport, Connecticut. And so from there, Joined the military, did a couple of years uh, in college, dropped out, and uh, joined the Navy and landed in, in the Hampton Roads, as you mentioned. Wow. So um, so growing up, being an immigrant, tell us what that was like for you. Well, I, it was a little tough uh, since my entire family, who I grew up, you know, very close. Uh, holidays like this, Christmas, we were all together, cousins, uncles, aunts. And so to be detached into a new culture, it's a little shocking. Uh, when we got to Miami, I actually loved the weather. I loved being uh, at the pools and the heat. When we moved to Connecticut, that was really a culture shock. Uh, cold weather, definitely a whole different, uh, a whole different thing <laughs> in a sense. Connecticut was was a little rough awakening. From you know what, everyone has a, a vision or a picture of what the United States is, what you see in the movies, what you hear. Florida have very a lot of things that they assimilate to that picture, uh, but Connecticut didn't. I thought we just changed countries. I was like, what what just happened? Or at least this little city I, I was living in. Uh, so it was a little bit rough. Uh, so it was a little bit tough yesterday, but with time, you know, I, we accommodated and, and adapt to our surroundings. Wow. So, um, so did you speak English before you came to the States or did you have to learn when you came? Right. No, I didn't, I didn't speak any English. I, uh, and when I lived in Florida, they don't speak English in Florida <laughs> either. So I, when I got to Connecticut, I, I've learned slowly because even our high school in Connecticut still allow you to take classes in Spanish. And so it wasn't until a certain year that one of my teachers told me, hey, you need to go full English or you'll never learn it. 
And so then, then it began, I began to really dove in. So it wasn't until maybe 16 years old that I started really learning. Well, I'm still learning, but <laughs> uh, getting to know more of the language and, and trying to uh, enunciate and get comfortable with, with those little barriers of accent that gets in the way. Yeah, so what's interesting to me is, uh, is that people who come to America – uh, from other places to have a certain perspective about our country. And um, I, I would love to hear some of the things that maybe you learned or you were, you were surprised at after you got here. As, as I mentioned, Florida was wonderful. Yeah. Uh, you know, we got to go to Disneyland or Disney World, and then it's hot. I got out of school, go to a friend's house. You had a pool. And so it was, it was definitely the, uh, a beautiful picture, you will say. Uh, but it was shocking, definitely moving up north, uh, where everything just changed. Really, the surroundings. Uh, I I've come to realize, you know, they mentioned people says uh, people say that we have an accent. I have an accent, uh, but all throughout the U.S., everyone has an accent. Yeah. <laughs> South Carolina to New York City to Boston to Florida, and so it is truly though we're we're. Seems like United States, uh, it's the all the fifty states combined, but. We, we're independent and, and so different in so many ways. And it's something that I've uh, come to realize. You, you mentioned Colombia. Most people have very little accent, but it's the same culture overall throughout the country. Here, there's a little bit changes as we switch through the states. And so even here in Puerto Rico, it's a, it's a whole different culture as well. Right. Wow. So um, so tell us a little bit about your family dy dynamic as you were growing up. It was, you said it was your mom and you and your sister that, that came from Colombia. Did you have other family that was here as well? Your uncle in Connecticut, I guess. Right. So we, my mother, my father, uh, sister, and I from from I guess that home. My father has children through different uh, women, and so yes, in the in in the United States, we had maybe cousins that were far off, third, fourth generation that we didn't know of. I didn't even know we had an uncle who lived in Connecticut. Uh, so to me, the only family I knew lived in Colombia. None of them lived here in the States. So it was just us starting. Uh, we moved here with a few suitcases. Uh, you know, moving from Colombia, we we weren't to be considered poor or in need. My sister had um, a mental disability. So my mother's uh, idea was the U.S. has uh, the technology, the advancement, everything that can help her more. And therefore, that's why she applied. So. Back home, my own bedroom, all the toys, everything I wanted. Uh, moving to the States is a suitcase, enough clothes. As a kid, it, it was, again, a little shocking at the beginning, uh, but it was all with the purpose that things will become or get better as we went along. And so did they? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> then you realize the American dream, the white picket fans and everything. Is, it, you have to labor for it, no doubt. Uh, you have to work. It, it is definitely the freedom that, that is in, in the United States. Is, you know, it, there's nothing like it throughout other countries. And so, but what she imagined to be so, and again, what maybe the perspective of many people uh, come in here and everything's handed out to you. Uh, was not like it. So in order for her to have any special programs for my sister, they had to be money involved, uh, finances. If not, public school education is, is the minimum they will be offered. 
And so because she came here, she had to get a job, two jobs, sometimes three jobs. Uh, my dad, in a sense, kind of uh, cut, cut the family. So then he remained back in Colombia. So it was my mother working, my sister and I. So then what she imagined was not what, what, what took place. So again, she had to work two jobs, three jobs. Uh, she never drove when she was in Colombia. She had my uncles, my dad, people, and here she had to learn how to drive. She's now uh, in her late 40s, and, and she's starting, again, everything. Uh, when she had not worked in Colombia, she was a stay-at-home mother. And so it was a, it was a, a, a great awakening, to, to say the least. Uh, I think within a year of us getting here, both of her parents and my grandparents uh, passed away. She couldn't fly back. There was no one she could leave the kids with. So it was very difficult at the beginning, not again what what she i think imagined was going to be so it was it was a little um eye awakening yeah yeah and so uh, what do you remember from that time do you are you um did you feel like some of that weight was on your shoulders also to take care of the home it did it did fail for for a little bit as as we moved to connecticut i I wanted to right away uh, get a vehicle get a job be able to help. Uh, somehow, but as a teenager, you know, it didn't go out the, the same way. In, in a sense, I, I did get the job in the car, but it became about me. But I always had a an idea of responsibility to take care of my mom, who took care of us all these years, sacrificed and did everything to for the family, I guess. So, um, did you uh, did you find yourself doing well in school, or were you a good student, or were you a good kid? Or did you find yourself getting in trouble? Uh, for the most part, I was a good kid, if we could say that that's a good kid. Um, I, I did my schoolwork. Um, I behaved. We did after-school programs. I graduated top three in our class. Not, you know, not the greatest high school in the area, but we made it to the top. Um, so I stood out of trouble for the most part. I didn't – I never was – I, there was nothing, no desire in me at a young age. We, I was surrounded by your typical people who like to drink or smoke, or and and none of that appealed to me. So I, I was never into drugs or alcohol. Uh, cars was my thing. Oh, I, I like cars. So we, I, I wanted to fix cars, and we, I joined a, a auto club. It was called the Mitsubishi Club of New England. Uh, in that area, and so it was the only car club with Mitsubishi's only, and I had a little Mirage. It was your lowest class, the cheapest vehicle, and uh, I started fixing it. And so cars was my thing. If, if I had a hobby or a place where I used my money, <laughs> wasted my money, it wasn't a vehicle. So now it wasn't. That was my addiction, you could say. If there was one, uh, there was nothing else in a sense. So there was there was never. Uh, the worst thing I got was speeding tickets, but that's as far as we got. Well, that tends to be a very expensive hobby. <laughs> it does. <laughs> could get could get expensive. So, uh, does that mean you you had to work for a living to support that hobby? So I, <laughs> yeah, I did. I worked just for that. That's when I became selfish. All the money uh, was going really to, um, to support my car. <laughs> Okay, well, uh, so tell us a little bit about some of your spiritual background, if there is any. What did you have? Uh, you do you remember like attending church at all, or, or you know having any experience with God when you were growing up? 
so yes, my entire family is most of them actually uh, nowadays. I'm I'm finding out some of them are becoming Christians, but most of my family uh, is Catholic. And so everyone grew up Catholic. Still, a lot of traditions, a lot of things are Catholic. So we did uh, went to church your usual days, Easter's, uh, Christmas, some events, special event. Uh, but uh, that was my upbringing. Uh, now you mentioned a spiritual event took place. My father had again children with other women, and at some point, some of those children came to live with us. And I had a brother from another mother who who came and lived with us for a little bit, and then I had a sister who came to live with us. Well, that sister was a Christian. I don't remember the denomination, but I remember meeting her and talking to her different nights at the house. And uh, she was the first one to give me a Bible and introduce it to me and told me that God can speak to us. I'm not, I've never heard of that. No, it was never shown to me. or So it was the first time. And she said, ask him a question. And uh, in the morning, this was her, her interpretation of it. Uh, ask a question in the morning. Just let the Bible open. Wherever it lands, uh, God will give you an answer. So <laughs> I did as she said. And uh uh, she said, we all have a purpose. And, you know, I don't remember a lot of my childhood, but there were little key points. And that was one. Well, so what if I have a purpose, what is my purpose, God? And uh, I remember reading the scripture, don't have a clue what scripture was, the word that the Bible opened up to. Uh, but it was to to tell the world the message of Jesus. And so I thought, hey, I would just do the same thing she said to me. And so for many years, actually, friends or people have built a relationship I repeated the same lines. Hey, you know, we all have a purpose. Uh, ask God the question. And when you wake up in the morning, just let the Bible open. And wherever it opens, God will speak to you. And so that was my understanding. This was my my calling. <laughs> wow, that's really interesting. And uh, did you find that effective? Did, uh, did God use that strategy? <laughs> I didn't hear from a lot of other people, but I will tell my friends, I, I felt better about myself when I let friends know. And that was my purpose. So at least I wanted to communicate a message. I, I didn't, I don't think I never heard from anyone say, Hey, I tried it. It worked. Yeah. Or, <laughs> it worked for me. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Well, how old were you when you had this, this initial experience? So I had to be around 10 or 11 years old. Wow. That's early. Yeah. And was that something that carried with you as you were growing up in those early years? Right. All, all the way to, again, I remember a friend of mine uh, in Connecticut and just talking to him about it one day and just letting him know, hey, God can speak to you. And if you just kind of follow that same uh, same idea she told me, and I thought that's my purpose, just to let him know. Wow. So, um, so you joined the Navy after graduating high school. And, well, tell us what went into that decision. Why did you do that? So in high school, we were part of an after-school program. Um, my current wife was in, was in a different high school in Connecticut, and uh, then she was my girlfriend. And so at 16, 17, she got pregnant, and uh, we, we began to wonder what we were going to do. I had a scholarship to go to college, was going to college. I, I we didn't know and ideas came to mind and what do we do? And so my wife also, just like I didn't want to stay in Connecticut, she wanted to leave there. And one of her ideas was to join the Navy. So I've taken the ASVABs already in high school. My teachers told me you should take them. And I had 
you know, all the branches call me to try to recruit me. Uh, and always their key question is, how are you going to pay for college? So I said, well, I'm in college already where that scholarship. So it, it wasn't a good uh, way to buy me to it. But my wife wanted to join the Navy to get out of Connecticut. So I dropped her off. I told her, listen, uh, my daughter was born. I said, wait till my daughter's a year old. And then I'll, I'll keep her for a little bit. You join the Navy and then we'll figure it out. So I dropped over the recruiter's office. Uh, I left. I came back. And she's not out. And I'm waiting. I'm waiting. And I went in and somehow started talking to the recruiter. And he got me. So <laughs> he did a good job and recruited me. And I, I went in the Navy. <laughs> wow. So th this came as a result of the unexpected pregnancy between you and your girlfriend. Correct. And did, did you guys get married initially or did you hold off? <laughs> the story gets better as it goes along okay, with okay. my 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 recruiter my recruiter took me to maps to do all the paperwork and he said and is that you know he she's seen he's seen her and the baby is that your wife and i said no way it's my girlfriend he said did you know that if you guys get married you're have an extra pay allowance for being married especially living in Connecticut, there's an additional pay allowance for the high cost of living. So I called right away my girlfriend <laughs> and proposed really quick and said, hey, how do we get married? <laughs> <laughs> that was, that was the, my, my way of proposal. I remember a young man who wanted to get married and asked me, how do I propose? I said, hey, you got the wrong guy to ask that question. I, I was not romantic. I skipped that step. I just went to justice of the peace and got married okay and got the extra paycheck as a result <laughs> that's right <laughs> <laughs> so uh, and you were what 19 when this happened 20 something like that uh, correct yeah i was uh 18 19 around that that uh time frame and so off you go so you guys both joined up at the same time no, I'm glad you didn't. Thank God. Uh, okay. He said, you go first, join. Once you settle, she could join after that. And, of course, they'll give you all the sweet lies. You guys will be together, and they'll put you next to her, and so on and so forth. So I joined, but she never did. Oh, and so, so it was her dream that you got to live. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I took her dream and <laughs> flew with it. Yeah. <laughs> So so now you have to go off to uh, the boot camp. That's probably in Great Lakes area, right? That's correct. I've heard this story a few times. <laughs> and uh, so oh. that that can that can be an eye-opening experience by itself for a lot of young men like yourself. It, yeah, it was definitely. I went around August time frame, uh, two thousand and two. And so it was cold, but we, we finished boot camp. I got to fly home, finish my training. Our, our A school, what it's called, was in Mississippi. And we got to fly home in December, celebrate Christmas. And I was due to report to my first command, my first ship, December 26th. So we celebrated Christmas early so we could make it and drive down to Norfolk and, and be in the command that day. Okay, and for all of our Navy listeners, why don't you tell them uh, your your rate and all of the, the things that you did. So I joined as an administrator. Back then, we were known as PN. 
uh, uh, personnel men. And we did all the paperwork for the enlisted side, check-ins, check-outs, transfers, uh, discharges. Uh, as I got out of the Navy, I did four years, uh, my active four active years. Uh, our rate combined with another rate, and we became PSS personnel specialists, where they are today. Uh, we did the transfer. Uh, we had paper service records where everything you did in your life was inside of a folder. Uh, we also did that at the end of my four years, we transferred all those to digital files where no one now will carry paper anymore, any paper trail. It will be all digital. And so I did that. I was stationed on a, an amphibious ship, the USS Oak Hill. And so we did, um, I did admin since it's a small boy, they call, that you have other activities. So I also worked with the security team while we were on board. And then well, my main job was uh, paperwork. They call them paper pushers. So that's what I did. I sat in an office uh, behind a computer with AC. <laughs> yeah. So you you thought you were going to go see the world, and there you were behind the desk. <laughs> I was behind the desk. So we, we got to see you know, a few parts of the world, but um, I wasn't uh, sold down the idea to do 20 years, uh, definitely for sure, uh, in the Navy, four years up to see I uh, got my enough enough to enough. get the taste out of you <laughs> <laughs> so okay so uh you stationed in norfolk the whole time except for your deployments i did correct yeah. i was in norfolk the whole time the amphibious base the four years and then got out okay so um i'm guessing uh and tell me if i'm wrong but was it during that time that you were introduced to uh, the potter's house Yes, sir. Actually, January uh, station, as I mentioned, December 2020, uh, 2002, uh, 2003, January, somebody knocked on my door. Uh, so this is an apartment complex that, that after I got saved, we love to outreach. And, and many of the people who are in the church today, some who have left, got saved in that apartment complex. Actually, Pastor Rocky Colonna got saved in there as well. So I, I lived in that complex. They knocked on our door. I took the flyer, listened to what they had to say, and then I brought it in the house. My wife threw it in the trash. Uh, we we were not thinking about church. Uh, we were fighting all the time, though. We think we we were thinking we made a wrong decision getting married. Uh, we're looking to divorce. This was not going to work out. And I believe it's the following Saturday or two Saturdays later, the same guy came out with another guy and knocked on my door, I opened the door, and I realized it's them again. The second guy that came is actually Mitch Collins, who's also pastoring in Charlotte, North Carolina. So he, he came, he was single then, and he began to speak to us. And so I told my wife, if, if we don't go to this church, they're going to be here every Saturday <laughs> bothering us. So we just need to <laughs> go there, tell them, no, thank you. This is not for me. I'm, I'm a good Catholic. Right. <laughs> but that's not how it worked. <laughs> thank God you, they didn't listen to you. Yeah, yeah. Thank God I, we went. We got. We went that Sunday. I went to church and heard a sermon that it just dealt right with my wife and I. We both lifted our hands, and that's where it all started. Wow. So, I mean, you you didn't go there with any intention of like seeking God, but you you just out of no, curiosity kind of thing. 
Yeah, and I just wanted him to leave me alone. Kind of went in there and told the guy, "Listen, this is not for me. Thanks, please don't come back." Uh, but we sat down and we heard the sermon. We kind of did the polite thing and just stayed to the end to then tell him no thanks. Uh, but it, it didn't work out that way. So, what changed? What, what did you hear that uh, that changed your mind? It was really, you know, it was a it was the sermon wasn't the parable of the seeds. The different seeds are from different grounds. And again, I, I have no background of religion, so it wasn't, but there was a conviction in me that, that it was just, I felt guilty. I felt wrong. And, uh, and I just, when the call came to repent, to change your, your lifestyle, your, I, I thought this is me. I got to do it. And so I, I left my hand. Uh, I lifted my hand and my wife, I was looking kind of my peripheral view and she did the same. And so we went to the altar, but, it was almost that, that feeling, you know, it starts sometimes, I guess, with that feeling. I just feel this, I need to do this. This is, I'm wrong. I've, I've sinned and I, I got to change. And that's why I think how it all started. If you'd like to hear the rest of this sermon, subscribe today. It's only $3 a month when you subscribe at supercast.tech or $4.99 per month when subscribing in Apple Podcasts. Links are in the show notes. We thank you for joining us on this special preview of the VBPH Sermon Podcast. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three. Premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four. Our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless. God bless.